When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome you to Porch Talk. This is your host, Alan, and I am at Relentless MMA here in Columbus, Mississippi. I got Jake Reeves here with me. Third time. This is my third episode? Yeah. Oh, man. Heck yeah, brother. I gotta, that's right. That's right, because I did, I did one before a fight. I did my first episode. I did one before a fight, and then I did this one. Am I close enough on this mic? Yeah. Okay. Everything's good. Um, yeah, brother. I'm excited to be here. I'm also... I was like, you were like, you ready to rock and roll? And you just started, and I'm so used to like, <laughs> I'm at this point, I'm so used to like a little pageantry, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm already <laughs> caught you off guard. Yeah, I'm a little caught off guard. So, um, uh, not only does Jake run Relentless MMA here in town, he also has uh, the Mississippi Superman show. You can find that on YouTube and on social medias. Yeah. And the Man Up Podcast. Man Up Podcast, also on YouTube. Um, I think that, honestly, this is the direction that I'm sort of trying to go with my with my uh career a little bit you know making some making some adjustments and uh i'm using my gym and my following there to kind of launch this new endeavor of podcasting and getting into to social media and i'm excited man i'm honestly really really excited there just it's been exciting like watching the growth and i mean like from the time i met you to i uh, had you on the podcast twice COVID hits, next thing I know, you're starting a podcast. You, I mean, because you had to change the way that you were doing business. Yeah. I, you know, I was – so I would always done things a certain way, and it had always been – I'd always wanted to do a YouTube channel. I'd always wanted to do a podcast. I was already thinking about it. But when the government shut us down and we couldn't do business anymore, we couldn't hold classes anymore, I couldn't sign members up anymore, um, I almost went bankrupt. I almost went broke. I almost completely went under and closed my doors. And to be honest with you, it's been a – it's been a battle since then, but it really took hit hard during COVID. And I was like, all right, I got to do something else. I've got to do something that 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 this can't shut down. I've got to create some income. I've got to create a endeavor that the government just can't. Which media can still be shut down, and and I'm probably going to eventually get canceled and have to move over to Rumble or something. But yeah. you know. Uh, with my mouth, but <laughs> with uh, when all this hit, I was like, "Man, I've got to, I've got to think about something else." Because I thought I had thought through every contingency possible. I thought that I was prepared for anything that could happen in my business, and then this happened. And there was no way for me to possibly like prepare for that. There was no way for me to possibly prepare for a for a, a, a epidemic where the government forces gyms and local restaurants to shut down. My parents owned a restaurant at the time. Mm-hmm. I owned a gym, um, which they were fine, but uh, there was just there, there was just no way I could see that coming, and it kind of freaked me out a little bit. I had started; I had just started my LLC for this, 
and I was I was getting to a point to where I had put back some money for this. I was about getting ready to hire somebody to help me do it, and man, COVID hits and like just the whole world flipped on itself. Yeah. It made it to where like the LLC and everything I was trying to do for profit with that killed it. Really. Wow. And and still trying. And now I've got uh, sponsors on the show, and it's been it's been growing. And like COVID was a plus for Porch Talk because I was able to have a lot of guests I probably wouldn't have been able to get. Yeah. But uh, had to had to take that curse and turn it into a blessing. Are you familiar with Ian Smith? Uh. Uh-uh. He's a gym owner in the New England area. Okay. And refused to shut down. Oh, I and do he's, remember this. And he's got yeah, millions yeah. of dollars of fines that he's not going to pay. Yeah. And so uh, I've, I've heard about his story. Now, I, wonder. I wonder that, too. I follow him on social media. It seems like he's just kind of moved on and he ain't speaking on it. You know, and his gym's doing better than ever because other patriots people are, yeah. are supporting him and going to his gym. And people, like here in the South, well, I can't go train at a gym in the New England area. So there's people that just donate money to the cause. Yeah. I tell you, man, I, uh, I won't do it again. I, I was a little freaked out because – you know, when something like that happens, like the COVID, whatever, debacle, we'll call it, mm. it, you don't know what to believe in the beginning. So in the beginning, I'm sitting here like, okay, maybe we do need to shut down. Like, I don't know. I actually shut down a week before the government forced to shut down because I was like, you know, the the COVID cases started to hit in the area. People around here started to get it. People started freaking out. Mm-hmm. Here we are thinking we're on the verge of a zombie apocalypse. Like, we're like seriously, because of the way people are, are reacting to this, everyone else in the world, at this time, I'm like, oh, okay, this is, a, this is an apocalypse. We're, we're, this is the end of days. Like, we're, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking this is going to hit. It's 21 weeks later. If I, yeah, if I get it, my chances of survival are probably around 50%, and it's much lower for other people. That's the numbers that I'm thinking that we have. Mm-hmm. And so I shut down. A week later, the government comes out and says that we're going to shut all the gyms down. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm already shut down. That helped my feelings on it just a little bit, the fact that I don't feel like they forced me. Yeah, like I was already did it shut on your down. own mission. That helped me a little bit. But then I was ready to reopen within a couple of weeks because I'm looking around. I'm like, okay, well, this isn't that bad, it doesn't seem like. Um, but maybe it's not that bad because of the shutdown. Maybe it's not that bad because, you know. And honestly, it was a great time. I may I almost went under but I was able to spend a lot of time with my kids I was able to be at home at bedtime which is not something that I'm normally able to do I was able to spend a lot of time outside it was during a a beautiful spring one of the most beautiful springs we've ever had yeah so I was like doing a lot of hiking and outdoor activities and things I've tried to keep up which turns out was one of the best things that you could do like vitamin d was like the best thing yeah if during that time was to be outside Yeah, I continued to work out and be outside and I was outside every day um I'm not a sit inside the house kind of guy. I did beat Red Dead Redemption too, but other than that, Congrats. that was the extent of my. Uh, Congrats on that. That's a big a, game. Not a hundred percent completion. <laughs> I just beat the story. I, I still don't have a hundred percent completion on that game. That's a tough one. That's a tough one to beat. Yeah, got to go on those wild hunts. You know, I didn't. Uh, I didn't. Um, I didn't buy it on purpose until COVID, because that's like my type of game, mm-hmm. like Red Dead Redemption GTA. And I didn't buy. I bought a PS4 and Red Dead Redemption 2 both when COVID hit because I was like, "Well, I guess I'm gonna have free time. Gotta have some entertainment. Might as well do it." You know, before I didn't do it because I was like, "Well, I need to be focused on my business." I was so dialed into my business, mm-hmm. and I, I mean, I went from. I'll be honest. Before COVID, we were doing between thirty and forty thousand dollars a month. Uh, I was doing about thirty-five average, and that dropped to about fifteen. 
during COVID. Um, I got it back up to 25, and I have not I have not consistently been above 25 until hopefully this year. Like it looks like this year we're really having a big turnaround. I don't know exactly why that is, but this year our ads are working better. You know, my my Facebook account got shut down too. That that was a big that was a big step backwards for me. Um, what happened with that? Oh man, it was terrible. Uh, so this <laughs> was about said some naughty words. No, it, it was <laughs> I didn't do anything. I, I, I fell for a phishing email. Uh, got hacked. Yes, I got hacked. And what they did was they went on my. They sent me a a, a very professional looking email from Facebook saying that one of my ads had been shut down for a copyright infringement. This was in probably September, October. And so I'm like, what the hell? Really? Like, all right. So I clicked the email, and I've dealt with stuff like this before. So I clicked the email, and I noticed the loading screen was a little different. Well, it hacked me, and they put like 20 videos of child porn on my page. The number one thing that you're against. Yeah. They put like 20 (laughs) videos of child porn on my page and hacked into my ad account, started running ads in Russia from my ad account. And then I couldn't fight it because I was locked out of Facebook because of the child porn videos that they put on there. It got my business Instagram completely shut down. It got me locked out of the ad account of my Facebook business account. Um, and I still have not regained access to. It got my personal Facebook page shut down and my personal Instagram completely shut down. Um, I lost all the memories. from I, I'd been on Facebook since 2006. And the biggest reason I stayed on there was for work, running ads, but then also just all the memories that I had on there. All the, you know, I had been posting on Facebook since I was 16 years old, mm-hmm. and um, or even maybe younger. And so, anyway, that was a big step back. And, again, it just kind of, it didn't solidify that this is the direction, that content creation is the direction I want to go, but it did kind of like, it actually took me back because I had to, I had to call off my last fight promotion because of it. We had a fight coming up. I couldn't. A lot of the coaches and fighters that I was dealing with, I dealt with them through Facebook. Yeah. Um, the way that I found new fighters and coaches, I, it's harder to get people's phone numbers now. But I can get. I was connecting with them on Facebook and Instagram. Um, the way that I was, I mean, I had I had probably 10, 15 coaches. I didn't even have their phone numbers, and I that had fighters on the card. That's that's how I work everything when it comes to music. It's yeah. all it's all a DM. Like so a, don't do a whole lot of personal numbers, right? Well, let me tell you, you better start getting some phone numbers <laughs> because that shit completely. Can I say that on there? Yeah, uh, completely derailed me. I had to cancel the whole event. We lost a couple grand, but I was going to lose ten if I went forward with it because not only, not only could I not, uh, not only could I not connect with the fighters and coaches that were on the card, I also couldn't advertise. Right. So I lost my ad account. I lost my ability to run ads. Um, I lost my ability to post to my for a little while to post to my page, my my fighting championship page. Um, yeah, it was just it was one of those things. It was just like it was just like one of those tests. And I've got to this point in my life now where I'm like, all right, anytime I go through this, it's like, okay, I'm, I need to learn something from this. I need to like like this is trying to teach me something. Like because it's gonna be okay. Like, that's a thing that I think I've really had to just accept in the last, since COVID, really. It's like, it's going to be okay. Right. Like, no matter what happens, I'm going to be okay. Like, we don't live in a world that I'm going to starve to death. 
My children are not going to starve to death. My family's not going to go without. At the end of the day, if I need to go get a job doing something else, if I need to go split wood or whatever, like we'll be okay. Even if my my vehicles get towed and 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 repossessed, um, you know, like I, I I'll be okay. My my cost of living is not that high. I can go find another job or I can go make some money shoveling shit or making big rocks in a little rocks. Like I'll be okay. Like yeah. I'll be fine. Uh, and that's something that I really had to learn through that, man. And I, this, this was not like did, I didn't intend on making this like a whiny session where I'm talking about all the shit. No, I mean this COVID. is like a story. I mean I'm sure a lot of people had the same impact. Yeah. You know? And so between the government shutting my business down and then just the mentality of people changed through COVID, and then through my social media things that also kind of set me back. One big thing that changed with people, and I can't really explain this, but um, people showing up to things changed. Yes, it did. People, so like before, if I booked an appointment for somebody to come try a class at my gym, if I didn't have any contact with them after booking that appointment, about half of them would still show up. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe a little less, maybe like 30, 40% within the low end. But usually if you're doing any kind of confirmation where you like send them a text or anything, you're going to get 50, 50%. 50% won't show up, 50% will. So a lot of my metrics were based around that. After COVID, Okay, I had a 20% show rate, but that's with, as soon as we got off the phone with them, we sent them a text message mm-hmm. and a video. Well, later a video because they weren't showing up. Another text message and phone call the day before their appointment, a text message and a phone call the day of their appointment, and then later a customized video to that person specifically for the day of their appointment. And even with all that, 22% of people showed up for their appointments. Yeah. Um, so all the all the metrics. So now I need way more leads to keep my business going. I need way more help. I need to spend way more money in ads. I need to there, it, it, like those little things that you don't think about. Okay, so if you're looking at your KPIs of your business, you have like for us, it's new leads, leads that convert into appointments, appointments that actually show up, the ones that show up that convert into new members, and we track all those numbers and we we create percentages with them. And that's something people don't think about. Like okay, well, if you if you're not showing up to your appointment. Now, okay, if half, if only if I lose fifty percent of the appointments that were showing up, now I have to double my ad spend. I have to get twice as many leads mm-hmm. to to accomplish the same thing in business. So, yeah, it was a tough it was a tough time. I do not. I hope I do think another shutdown's coming though. And I, I'm, I think I'm it'll be, to, I think it'll be over climate. I do too. I do too. I think that I don't know that the next one will be over climate, but I absolutely believe that a climate shutdown is on the way. There is a climate shutdown. They are setting up for a climate shutdown, and I think that um, I think that it's a matter of time until they start limiting. I mean, things like curfews, limiting how much uh, uh, resources you can use, um, mm-hmm. limiting uh, the amount of land you can own or what you can do with that land. I think I think that that's all coming. Yeah, I think it'll be tough. It'll be a tough sell in the U.S. If you look at like how North Korea took over, um, I think that Americans are. I think your true red-blooded American patriots—they're—they're they're not going to go for it. It's good to be from the south, but yeah, absolutely. These little frou-frou college kids that are screaming for socialism and, oh, and they were for begging. They were begging for those lockdowns. Yeah, they—they—they you know? they, they are going to fall for it. Yeah, and. If you look how they took control of North Korea was they were like, 
and this is just what I've read and heard. Obviously, I wasn't there, and they've you know there's a lot of propaganda. But um, people that have escaped North Korea, they're like, okay, here's what we're gonna do. You guys, we're gonna give give everyone equality. We're gonna give everybody eat, like a, a, enough rice and meat to eat, and you guys are gonna gonna turn all your land and all your possessions over to the government, mm-hmm. and then we're gonna take care of you. And I think that that's the direction that I think a lot of younger people want us to go. Maybe not. Maybe they're saying, well, we don't want to go that extreme. Here's the thing. If you start the ball, ro- ball rolling in that direction, though, the more it rolls that direction, we're already yeah, it's, uh, it's, a socialist country. Yeah, it's a snowball, too. Yeah. It's just going to get bigger. Right. Because the reason that you think the way that you think is because the government and media has told you to think that way. Your teachers at school, your professors, mm-hmm. your um, the shows that you've watched have programmed you to believe a certain way, and you have fallen for it. That's just the way that it is. Mm-hmm. That's true of all of us. My parents programmed me. The world that the the Southern American freedom over comfort world that I was raised in programmed me to believe a certain way, right? Well, the same's true of the opposite side. We're all programmed. We're all just programmed computers running around. Uh, repeating a programming. But what we can do is, is we can look at the downsides of each system because every system has a downside. There are downsides to capitalism. There are downsides to socialism. Mm -hmm. There are downsides to true capitalism where the government has no say in the private sector uh, at all. One of those downsides is uh, companies like BlackRock and Monsanto and, and, and these huge corporations that now have bought. And one of the things that, and this is not really capitalism, but now they have bought power in Washington mm-hmm. with you know their their swing and their their you know um, money that they've made. But that's a downside to capitalism because because power always finds a place to rest its head. There's always going to be a bad guy. Yeah. There's always going to be a bad guy. The great thing about the American way, the great thing about freedom, the great thing about Everybody having an, an equal opportunity, not an equal outcome, is that you're, you always have the chance. You, you don't lock yourself into a caste system. That's, you know, like that with opportunity instead of an outcome. Because you can't guarantee an outcome because my drive is a lot different than your drive. Right. Well, and, and the people, like let's say like you was to cut the grass, so to speak, and make everybody on equal footing, the same people who rose are going to rise again. Well, it, it, it may not always be. So what you'll do away with, with when that happens is generational wealth. Yeah. That's what you'll do away with. You'll do away with the families that have always kind of had the money and been holding the money. Um, within a generation, usually probably within 15, 20 years, you'll have new people that are in charge. The difference is if you cut the grass where everybody's on the same level, in a capitalist society, you'd probably have new billionaires. Um, in a socialist society, those billionaires are going to work for the government. That's the difference. The, the difference is you're giving the people in government all the money or you're giving out the people in the private sector all the money. Um, so unless you want to work in government, you are regulating yourself into a caste system. Now, I'm not saying that there's a possibility that we have enough abundance here in America that our caste system, the people at the bottom of our caste system, and this is somewhat true already, would still have air conditioning, would still have a car, would still have food to eat, Unlike in North Korea, um, it does not change the fact, however, that you will now be locked into that system. You will be now be locked into that um, level 
of existence, that that economic, you know, platform, yeah. so to speak. Like you're, that's where you're going to be. It's like in India, the, you have the caste system where, you know, if your father's a plumber or whatever, like you're a plumber. Like that's the way that's that right. it is. You can't be go become a millionaire. Like you are, you are a peasant. You are going to be a peasant. That's the way that it is. It, the further we move towards socialism, the more that's going to be become the case. Yeah, and you're going to have a Knight's Tale or, you know, Heath Ledger's character is like, is it possible for a man to change his stars? And, you know, what he found out at the end, sure. Yeah. But it's a it's a fictional movie. But right. uh, for the most part in those caste systems, it is not. Right. You, you won't marry up and you won't get out of it. Right. Exactly. And that's just sort of the way that – that's the way – It's it, what it is is it's guaranteed it, – but it guarantees you to stay at that level. And to a lot of people that are not at the bottom, that's comforting. Mm-hmm. And what you have to understand, though, is is if we hit the big reset button, there's a good chance you're going to end up on the bottom. Uh, and, and and even if you're not, like I don't care. Like I don't I don't need a guarantee of comfort. Like, and that's what people have to understand. Like I don't. When you're arguing against people like me, I don't need that guarantee of comfort. I don't want it. I would just want to be left alone. I want to hold up for mine. Yeah, you know, I want to be the provider for mine and I mean, my family. Yeah, the moment crap hits the fan, I'm going back to Kennedy to be with my family, and we got a fish pond, we got chickens, you know, and we'll probably be fine. I'd say you. I, that's an interesting conversation. Let's run, let's run this. Okay. I think a lot of people think they're going to be fine, and they're not. And I'm okay. going to tell you the reason why. Because everybody else is going to start getting hungry. People oh, in the yeah. cities are going to start getting hungry. They're not going to have that stuff. You have to have enough people in your compound to protect your compound, okay? And I personally would say a single-family home, in order to protect that home, you need about not, about 20 people, 18 to 20 people. Probably so. I mean, this is going to be very mafia-esque. Right. And so here's my plan. Here's what I'm doing. So, guys, if shit hits the fan and you're looking for a team to be on, let me tell you my plan. And if you want to be on my team, you can go ahead and kind of start – Moving things around, we can we can start connecting because I'm already I'm already got this thing thought through. Here's here's who's really going to need help: local farmers. Mm-hmm. Local farmers are going to need a lot of help. How many people do you think it's going to take to effectively protect a 100 acre farm? Oh, probably I'd say 100 people at, at least. At least at least 100 people. I mean, just think about an acre. You're you, guns, you probably want five sets of eyes on one acre. Yeah. If you're if you're well, you got you got to create a perimeter. Yeah, and in the beginning, you're going to be dealing with a lot of hungry individuals and families, and eventually, you're going to be dealing with hungry gangs um, who are just going to come take. And I'm sorry, guys, you and your three sons and your two buddies, y'all aren't enough. Right? You're not enough. I don't care how many guns you've got. I don't care if you've got ARs, AKs. I don't care if you've got a thousand rounds of ammunition in your basement. You don't have the people. You don't have the community to protect yourself, mm-hmm. which is one of the reasons why the government, I believe, has effectively broken down the community the way that it has. Or maybe we've just evolved to a point we don't need it as much, so it's been broken down. I don't know that it's been done on purpose. I don't know. But people don't have that community. If you want to be able to protect your farm, you're going to need a community. You're going to need – and honestly, you're going to need – it, it would almost be socialism because I would I would come in and be like, all right, I've got these hundred guys that are going to help protect your your farm, but you have to give us a percentage of the food. That's right. You're going to have to split the food with us, so it'll be enough for you and your family to eat, but then also enough for us to eat. All the hundred guys to eat plus. Then you got to think more. about resources. 
uh, you got uh, gasoline, diesel fuel, and right. and your utilities. Right. You, do you have a well? Will you be fine without power? Right. And what do you have how, a well that are, doesn't require power? Right. Because most well pumps. And what, how are you going to keep your stuff fresh? You know. Right. If you if you kill a deer or a cow, you my, ain't gonna be able my, to put my it in the freezer. My dad has been working on a salt curing. Yeah. Uh, learning to salt cure, like he hangs it and 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 salt cures it, and it, he hangs it just in this pantry, and has learned how to keep meat for years yeah. by hanging it and salt curing it. Um, something he's working on. But yeah, my whole family's crazy. Um, I mean, we we've picked up like uh, I remember when I was a kid, my uh, grandfather and my dad would uh, reload shotgun shells. Yeah, my dad can reload. He can reload anything. Yeah, and recently, uh, my brother learned how to reload rifle rounds. Yeah, so. my, my dad was a my dad used to own a gun store in Sullivan, Alabama, and uh, he reloaded um, he reloaded ammunition for people. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's got a he's got a reloading table with a reloading press, and yeah. he can reload. I don't, I can't reload, yeah. but he can reload pistol, rifle. We always, when I, whenever I was a kid, and we'd go shoot, we'd always had to pick up our brass and separate it. See, and know? being like the gangster or the leader of that little mafia, I got a hundred guys. We'll protect you for food. And what's going to suck is for those people who don't have anything to offer. Right. Well, you're gonna you got to have something to offer. Yeah. Or you're not coming in. Yeah, you're gonna have yeah. to have something to offer. I mean, that's just kind of that's the cold world. That's yeah. the real world. The real world, like that's the thing of that's the thing about abundance that has created. We we live in this world of just this absolute abundance where people that don't offer anything can get taken care of. And that's a wonderful thing. That's such a great thing, man. That we live in a world where like the hungry and the weak can be taken care of, the widows and the mm-hmm. and and I, and I would very much hope that when things hit the fan that we will have enough that the widows can still eat. I would very much hope that we have enough that people have things to offer. One thing you have to remember, number one, is a woman always has something to offer. Yep. And that's a, as long as she's fertile. That's right. Um, and carry, that's a, carry on the species. That's a, that's a very important thing to understand. Women are always going to be valuable. Men will always fight for them. Men are always going to have something innate in us to protect them. Uh, men are going to make sure women, especially – this is going to be terrible to say. The more attractive and young you are as a woman, the more well you're going to be taken care oh, of. Oh yeah, it's like DiCaprio. He just traded in for a, a newer a model. A, a yeah. newer model. A lot of people are mad about that. I don't care. More power to. I them. don't care either. It's it is the sort of the same thing as like like she's the gold digger, and I mean I think as long as they're both consenting adults, I don't give a shit. Right. But but the but the younger and the more attractive the woman is, the more valuable she's going to be when shit hits the fan. Mm-hmm. Um and 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 so if she comes into a compound like. Let's say I've set up a compound of 300 people. We're, we're working to protect three or four farms. Um, and then we use the resources we get from that farm to get more ammunition, to get, you know, different things, whatever, protection, more people, you know, because you're going to have to leverage the, the resources you're getting for protecting these farms. Um, but because I, I don't think we're going to get to the point where like everybody's got to live in a compound. I don't know that's going to get that bad around here. Um, but you are going to have to have those compounds. Yeah. You're going to have to have those pla- those places for people to live and be safe. And um, also, an able-bodied man is going to have value too. Yeah. Because like you're strong back. You, yeah. Be, are you strong enough to work? Can you fight? Can you shoot? Can you hunt? Are there things that we can teach you to give you some value? But the less the less knowledge you have going in, if you if you're going into this thing and you don't know how to shoot a gun, uh, you don't know how to fight, you don't know you, you don't have a strong work ethic, you're not very physically strong, and or you don't have like engineering skills, you're going to be dead weight. So you're probably going to die pretty quick. 
Like you're not going to, as a, as a man, like that's something you got to understand is throughout most of history, men were born to die. That's why we're here. Right. We're here to die. The only person that survives is the alpha. The, the rest of the men die. The rest of the men, you go to war, you go to fight, you die in, uh, when, when hunting, you die. I mean, you, you live a very dangerous life and you die. That's the way that it is. It's one of the reasons why monogamy has become more and more prevalent as time has went on because men don't die anymore. And so if we were to move away from monogamy, it wouldn't work um, in modern culture. The reason it wouldn't work is because what you would have, and you're seeing this as the rise of social media and the rise of things like Hinge and Bumble where women are able to pick. Um, you're seeing more and more of young men having less and less sex and right. having less and less mm-hmm. options, and then the guys at the top 1% to 5% having all That's the right. options. And these are 35 to 45, 50-year-old men, right. men who have more resources. They have the boats. Yeah. They have the, and that's what you got to understand. When you see a boat, you see 100 people, you see 10 people on a boat, you see one, old, one or two old dudes and seven, eight hot chicks. Only two people did any work to be on that boat. It was the guys. But anyway, the guys with the resources are the guys that are really, really good looking, the guys that have game, whatever. Those are the guys who are sleeping with all the women. It's going to leave the guys at the bottom with less. Well, if we move away from monogamy into a polygamous society, what you would have is those top 5% of men would have 80% of the women. 78. You'd still have some, a lot of monogamous, a lot of betas would still have women, which would be like uh, somewhat high value men, men that, you know, like maybe they're not yeah. considered an alpha, but they're, you know, they're still somewhat high value. They still bring something to the table. They're going to get a woman. But a lot of these old mate, these guys sitting around playing video games, eating Hot Pockets, these guys, they're not getting any women. And then they're going to get angry. And then society is going to get violent. And if you look at polygamous societies in the modern world, most of them are war-torn. Most of them are very, like the Islamic world. Like, mm-hmm. you wonder why those guys are so angry? They ain't getting no pussy. That's a fact. Yeah. They're not, they're not getting laid. Okay? Dude, let me tell you something. You get 10 dudes in a house, and you go, all of them get, go a month without getting laid. What do, they, what do those dudes start acting like? They start getting aggressive. Mm-hmm. They start getting violent. They start getting irritable. They start having some issues. They might still be getting along good. They start having some weird ideas. Dudes need to be getting laid, okay? It's facts. It's a fact. Like, you, if you're an adult man, you need to be in a relationship to kind of get that evil out of you, all right? And you look at these societies where the, the, bottom, the bottom 50% of men are not getting women. Those societies are typically very angry. Those societies are typically very um, – um, um, they have a lot of issues, yeah. The men tend to be very domineering, dominating. They tend to be very violent. They tend to have a lot of, they tend to have a lot of issues. And uh, uh, the Mormons being an exception here. Yeah, uh, I was, was going to bring them the, up. The Mormons being an, an exception here. I think that, but that being said, I think that they are the exception. And, and they live within a monogamous society. Like most Mormons are monogamous. Yeah. Like, it's like 90% of them are monogamous. It would be more polygamous if it wasn't such a stigma on it in this culture. Right. And I think the stigma in this culture limits it. Now, I don't think polygamy doesn't work in terms of the family itself. I think it doesn't work in society itself. Right. Which is why society has turned its nose up at it over the last thousand to two thousand or so years. And that's the and that's really the greatest way of uh, some of these things that's going on in our culture today that I don't like. And I mean that's props to y'all show because y'all speak up on it all the time is the best way for me to change the behavior is to create a stigma. Yeah. And convince people that 
that is not right. Yeah. We should not behave that way. Right. And that's what we're doing now. That's right. That's what we're doing. If you look at like what the what the left is doing right now, um, and the right's done it too. Yes. It's not, it's not, I'm not it, saying that it it's goes all both ways. It goes, this goes both ways. Um, but you look at what the left is doing right now with like the reinvention of morality that we're going through right now. Because that's what we're doing. What we're doing is we're having a battle between two different worldviews to decide what the new version of morality is going to be. Um, morality, in some ways, has always went counter to logic. Um, picking people over yourself in, in human history has typically never been a good thing. Like Typically, that means you're going to die. If you're a hunter-gatherer, being selfish is usually a good thing. You want to make sure you're getting enough to eat. Yeah. Your kids can come after you. Your wife can come after you. Like, you eat first. Alphas eat first, you know. Um, same thing with, like, um, how we speak to people is, you know, we at some point, sometimes we need to not say the obvious things. If you were to see, um, for instance, it pretending something isn't what it is is already part of our morality. For instance, if you were to walk down the street and see someone who's mentally handicapped, it would be considered reprehensible for you to point, laugh, and call him a retard. Yeah. You're not wrong. Right. They are retarded. But you're not, you pointing the obvious out. It's, but you're, it's, but it's, pointing, it's very moot. It's, yeah. It's, it, well, it's beyond moot. It's, 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 um, it's reprehensible. It's disgusting. It's, yeah. it's wrong. You shouldn't do that. You're a dickhead. Yeah. Like, you should get the shit kicked out of you for doing that. Right. You're a bully. Right? So we are ignoring the truth, the obvious truth of the fact that he is mentally handicapped, and we're going to try to treat him like a regular person. That's the reason why when someone tells me they have a different gender to their face, I'm not going to argue with you. You think you're a man and you think you're a woman. You're a man who thinks you're a woman or a woman who thinks you're a man. Um, that's fine. I'm not going to – okay, I'm, I'm going to be cool with you. I don't have a problem with you. The problem is when you try to force me to say it the other way. And if mentally handicapped people – and this is my problem with the whole handicapable bullshit. No, you're not. You're handicapped. You can do less things. That's stupid. It's yeah. stupid for you to make me say that you're handicapable. You're handicapped. I'm handicapable, okay? Right. Like you're changing definitions of things to things that make no effing sense. Yeah. Okay? But I'm not going to be a dick to you. I'm not going to make fun of you. I'm not going to point fingers at you. I'm not going to kick you. I'm not going to beat the shit out of you. If you're a man who thinks you're a woman, I think that you probably have something wrong in your brain. I don't think that there's any evolutionary biology that we can point to that would point to that being a consistent issue in our civilization the way that homosexuality does. Like a man wanting to have sex with other men, you can pretty, especially with us being a polygamous society through most of human history, uh, you can see that, well, there were probably a lot of men who didn't have wives and the guys who probably survived the longest and maybe got to mate later on in life were the guys who were kind of okay with the fact they didn't have a wife. They were kind of okay being gone on a war party or a hunting party for three months at a time with nothing but, but a bunch of sweaty dudes. Right. You know, they, they kind of, they were okay with it. And then women back at home and they, they all, they're all sharing one husband. And we know that the libido of women might be slightly lower than men on average, but it's not that far off. Right. One dude's not pleasing 20 wives. Not really. Okay, so maybe there is some the women who did the best in those relationships with women who are I kinda like women too. Whatever. I'm not saying that that's what happened. I'm just saying that there there is some evolutionary biology that we can point to of how that could be a genetic marker that has kind of made its way into our DNA over, over the years. There's never been a time you could change your gender until right now. Right. 
There's never been another time in history that you could pick to be something else. It's a new made-up mental illness that now all of a sudden a vast, way higher percentage of people have than they should because society has told them how that this is kind of the new cool thing. And Well, that's, that's just it, dude. It was just recently just at a local bar here in town, and the person was very proud, and their parents were there. This is a teenager. Parents were there at the bar with them. And they were. It was like it was like proselytizing. They were re- very happy and open about talking about it. And if you didn't agree with it, they wanted to have a argument with you over it. I would argue with. Them. I did. Yeah, I'd argue with. Like, and, and because if you want to have that, like, and to me, that's what they're looking for at that point. It's an attention thing. Yeah. At that point, it's that, an that's what thing. it is. And also, that's the in group, right? Because, like you said, it's it's cool to be that right, right. now. Yeah. And you are in a minority group that you you can't talk crap about, or you can't confront, or you're gonna. You could potentially lose your job. You yep. could potentially get canceled or whatever Essentially else. Essentially what we're seeing being done by the left with the transgender movement is the same thing that the um, that the traditional Christian movement has, has – that Jesus preached so heavily against in the religious movement and that the Christians have been guilty of as well. And that is where, okay, now not only do we, do we have these, these things that we're considering right or wrong – I'm going to use them to make myself look like I'm better than you, and then if I can, I'm going to destroy you with it. That's right. And the religious movement has done this throughout the years. Now you're seeing the counter movement to it doing the exact same thing. That's one of my big issues with the church. That's been one of my big issues with the with the Christian church since I was a kid. Um, because if you read the teachings of Jesus and the and the teachings in the New Testament, especially from Jesus, and then you look at the modern teachings where um, you know, Jesus turned water into wine and hung out with prostitutes and 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 sinners. And now, if you say wordy dirge, you're going to hell. That's right. Um, and, and if you drink alcohol, you can't get into you can't get into heaven. Okay, well, you're just making rules so that you can put other people down and make that's, yourself look and feel better than other people. That's it. That's all it is. Yeah. That's the same things that the transgender movement is doing, just from the other side. Well, of the it's it, that's it is a religion for them. Right. It is. It absolutely is. It's it's the new morality. But it's, it's the worship of self. It's it, it's the it's the worship of. I think it goes. It might go a little bit deeper than the worship of self. It's it's like a religion without a deity. So therefore, the the religion can kind of really be pointed. It can, it's the it's the, both the worship of self and the worship of the communal, the worship of the whole. Yeah. So like like your opinions don't matter because the opinion of the whole beats you. Yeah, if that okay. makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So it's like it's almost like a hive mind. Yeah, it's a hive mind, and that's the same thing that happens in religion. Is you get together, and now we're going to make up these new rules that aren't in the Bible. That's right. Okay. Things like. Uh, it's a sin to smoke weed, for instance. Now, if you think it's a sin to smoke weed, that's fine. That's your conviction. I think the Bible says, uh, let every man work out his own salvation with fear and trembling for a reason. I think you should work that out. So if you have conviction, I think there are some people that should not smoke weed. I think there are some people that can't handle it. I know some people that can't handle it. That's right. It. I think there's some people that should never and taste what's alcohol. Cra- and what's crazy, These, like when we were teenagers, they could handle it. But as they got older and they smoke it now, it just... It's not good for them. Yeah, they they just they, same with alcohol. Yeah, but could they handle as teenagers? I don't know. Like maybe they they were just earlier on this. They they were addicts then. They just had an addictive personality then too. Yeah, and, maybe so. And maybe we just didn't see it yet. I don't yeah. know. The same thing with alcohol. There's some people that just can't handle smoke drinking alcohol. You should never taste it. You're an alcoholic. You have a problem. Some people can. Some people should never taste sugar or eat cheeseburgers. Okay, you can't. You can't limit these big 600, 700-pound motherfuckers walking around. They shouldn't eat any of it because they can't handle it. Until they develop a sense of self-control that they can eat maybe just one cheeseburger 
or one fried apple pie, they should probably not eat any of it. They need to develop that. That, and they may never be able to. There are some people that just can't handle certain things. That doesn't mean that we pass a rule for everybody in the whole world that doesn't line up with what the Bible says and then say that you're going to go to hell if you don't do it. Same thing with the transgender movement. For you to say to me, hey, this person, they really think that they're a cat and they're crazy, okay? And there's nothing you're going to say or do that's going to convince them that they're not a cat. They're just, re- I went to high school with a girl who thought she was a cat. Real talk. This is not bullshit. Um, there's nothing you're going to say or do to convince her that she's not a cat. And it's just, there's no reason to make fun of her. There's no reason to poke fun. So just kind of when she's around, go along with it. Okay. I'll go with that. I'm good with that, y'all. Like, if we can, if we can, like, just say, if we can just come to terms with that, it's like, okay. Now, when you start chemically castrating children that I don't think that's, they can consent. That's where I draw the that's line. A, that's a whole other thing. I, yeah. think, I think you need to be an adult before you make the decision. You don't let kids get tattoos because they identify as a tattooed person before they turn 18. Right. And But you're going to let them cut off their dick? doesn't make any sense. Anyway, or sew a dildo to themselves or whatever. I don't know how they do it. I'm not a doctor. It's the skin from the forearm. Okay, for the penis? Yes. Okay, I know. I knew they turned the uh, the penis inside out to create the vagina, but I didn't know mm-hmm. how they how they And that's also, it. that's a wound that never heals, and they have to continually, like two or three times a day, they have to go in there with some kind of, and make sure that wound stays open or it'll, sew itself shut it'll heal the vagina the the dick inside the yeah. dick in- oh wow mm-hmm. so i mean you're li- you're living in a hell for permanent oh, wow. you know. yeah i didn't realize that now um, now as the science and medical field develops they may get better they may get better yeah and and i hope uh, cool i hope that it does here's the thing though like if you want me to like buy into it you need to like you need to bring some logic to the table you can't just bring feelings to the table. Like you can't just bring the facts. Well, that's that, well, the thing. Really, it's feel like, like you know, it. well, it's it's like one side says facts don't care about your feelings, but the other side will say my feelings don't care about your facts. You know, right? But that doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. But that's well, the sky's orange. My feelings don't care about your facts. Yeah, I, I can literally just reinvent everything at that point. Like, like as a society, and here's the thing: I, I think that a lot of things are subjective. But as a society, we have to accept certain things as universal truths. And they need to have some logic behind them. Right. Like we have to, we have to accept. Okay, the sky is blue. Uh, this table is brown. That sign is black. Grass is green. Grass unless is it's green. in Kentucky. You're white, and you have a penis, and that makes you a man. You're, you know, this person's born with the XY chromosome. This person's not. Whatever. Like this is what makes a person a woman. This is the definition. We have to have definitions of things. Right. There has, and it can't just be people who think this. Because I mean, I can change my mind daily about things. That's 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 the thing about it. We have to have like something we can stand on. And right. you, you think the chromosome with the DNA would be far enough? XY or XX? Yeah. You'd think that would be enough, and maybe, maybe, maybe it's not. Maybe we, maybe we do make it a penis. I don't know, or not a penis, or a vagina, or, or whatever. I don't know. I, I just, I think that, I think that to say my feelings don't care about your facts, it's just a, it's just a really crazy, it's just a really crazy thing to say out loud with your mouth. It's a really crazy thing for you to use your words and your mouth to make it to make it go in that in that that way and say that. It's backwards. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Again, so, but what do you think about this? If if it's not being like uh, just it's top, not if, what I thought we were talking about today, by the way. I mean, neither. We just yeah, went. But if if you're not uh, being indoctrinated in these schools at an early age about this, and so like you're almost in this cult high bind and just raised in it like it's propaganda. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing about those people, unless medical and science develops, 
they will not reproduce. So it will, in, in yeah, the end, but, it won't but matter. Here's the thing, though. It will matter because we already know that evolutionary biology is not playing a role in this because there's never been another point in history this was a thing. So clearly the social conditioning is what's creating this, mm-hmm. not the way you were born. Okay, there were very rare cases of people of men who thought they were women and women who thought they were men before this surgery became a thing. Well, I mean, you got the boy girls and you know yeah, Thailand. It, it was a, those it, things it, happen, but it was a, well that was more of a that's more of a money thing. Those are more like gay men who are just trying to make money off of tourists in Thailand. Mm. Those are those are not people who sexually identify as women necessarily. Those are people that like that are like okay, well you're gay, you can either dress up like a woman and make pretty good money, make decent money here in mm. Bangkok, or you can go work in rice paddies for six dollars a, a year, and 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 wade in water and do backbreaking work where you're bent over at your back all day for the rest of your life. Or you can become a professional fighter and get in a ring and get the shit kicked out of you. Those are really your three options. Sex work, professional fighting, rice paddies. Mm -hmm. That's the three things you can do. If you're a gay guy or you're just kind of a soft guy and you're like, oh, I'm not going to make it in a rice paddy or or, or a a, a tie boxing ring. I'm going to go get fucked. Yeah, so what you do, yeah. I'm going to go – and and, and my, my features are already a little feminine. I'm really small. You know, like these guys coming in from America, they'll pay me a whole bunch of money if I blow them. I'm just going to blow them, man. This is the only option I got, you know. So you can't – I don't think that's the same thing. You had these really rare cases of people that had this had this mental disorder. And the, there's actually – I was talking to Phil, who comes up here to the gym. Um, the doctor who led the research and led the fight for these people up to this point has been canceled. Because he came out and said that statistically it is impossible for us to have this many transgender people. It, it, it's it, boomed. It went from being like uh, just four years ago, it was like 1, 1.5% of the population. Which is max. Right. And now, like within this new generation, uh, was it Gen A? Yeah. We're there now? I don't know. I think it's uh, 15 to 22% yeah, it's identify. An un- it's an unbelievably high number. And the guy who's been leading the fight for the rights for, for transgender people, the guy who has, the doctor is, who has led the research on this for the last 20, 30 years, um, I don't remember his name off the top of my head, he came out and was like, hey guys, like, no. He said, probably what's happening is um, I'll t- people that are on the spectrum are picking this to be the thing that they obsess over. Because there is a lot of is, there is a lot of autism in this. Yeah, yeah, there is, and and th- that they're they're just obsessing about gender, and because society is pushing this on them, and they're probably not actually transgender. And then they canceled him. He's the doctor who's done <laughs> the majority of the research and has been leading the fight for transgender people for twenty years, and he's been canceled. Check that out. Yeah, yeah. So. The, the point I'm making is I don't like, – like, like homosexuality, I think that if we let that run its course for 100 years, I think we legitimately may run out of gay people. That being said, if we – what we're learning – I used to think that. But what we're learning is social conditioning is way more powerful, way more powerful than we thought that it was. We're learning that social conditioning is actually affecting people's – Gender identity and sexual orientation. Well, I mean, think about we were talking about climate earlier. I mean, there are literal college students right now who wake up obsessing over the climate and just think they're in it's it's doom and gloom. You know, here's the thing about climate. Okay, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna play a little devil's advocate for you here because the thing about it is I don't know that we can trust the majority of the information we're getting from either side. No. Okay. 
So here's what you, here's what you do. So this is the two this is two theories that I have that are in complete conflict with each other, and I don't know which one I believe. Okay. Okay. Either a they are gonna they're gonna manipulate the climate change pr- crisis to uh, convince us that we're in a lot more trouble than we are, so that they can gain power, so that they can manipulate I, I, us. Into, I think that's the move. Okay. That being said, we do know that the ice caps in Alaska and things are melting. It mm-hmm. does seem that the planet's heating up. You can look at almanacs. You can compare. You, you can we can re- research this ourselves. We do know the pl- planet is getting warmer. What we don't know is is the burning of fossil fuels what's heating it up? Is are we heating it up because of humans? The other thing we have to remember too is there's never been a point that global warming has ever been a problem. Global warming has only ever led to abundance. It leads to longer growing seasons. It leads to um, more food, it leads mm-hmm. to uh, better better living conditions for people overall. It could lead to, to rise in sea levels, so parts of the world could end up underwater because of it. But it is one thing that you need to remember is that global warming has always been a good thing throughout human history. There's never been a point in human history global warming has been a bad thing. I'll probably link this to the uh, social media, but there was a comedian at Oxford in uh, England at the college. Mm-hmm. And they were having a debate. Not an Ole Miss. No, not not, <laughs> not, not that Ole Miss. <laughs> so on the left side was left thinkers, and on the right side was right thinkers. And this comedian happened to be on the right. And he said, now England is responsible for 2% of carbon emissions. If we were to go completely green tomorrow, for as long as this world goes, yeah, it would have no effect. you would literally have no effect. Yeah. The reason that, that is true. the reason why we obsess over this is because these developing countries, they're not thinking about tomorrow. Because what am I going to eat today? Right. They're and in, they're the ones that are yeah, China, India, Southeast Asia, India. These developing countries are the ones that are actually and, doing it. That being so, the thing up, I think to curve this, if you really want to make a difference, help them get through their industrial revolution. Yeah, what it's actually going to be though, because this is what you have to understand, is. You have to outsource slavery. You have to outsource poverty. Somebody's got to be at the bottom. So if we help them, it will just outsource it to an African country. It's just going to outsource it to, to yeah. someone. There's got to be somebody at the bottom actually producing the goods for us to live in abundance. The other thing that you have to have to say is, okay, the other thing that is actually only realistic, if if we are in char- the problem with the climate, if it is us, Okay. The only other thing that we can say or do is create a one world government to where everybody's under the same rule. I don't and, like that either. Exactly. And every now all of a sudden these developing countries they have to they have to say you know, say what's up to the UN or whoever. Here's the other thing that could be going on. All right. Who has the most to lose if we stop burning fossil fuels? Who has the most to lose? Oil companies. Yeah. Billion-dollar companies who have lots of control over parts of our media, parts of our government, mm-hmm. parts of sen- the Senate, Congress, presidential races. I mean, they're, I mean, they're hundred billion, multiple hundred-billion-dollar industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, like oil is, is a huge industry. It's propping up a vast part of our economy. It is possible that we are what's causing the climate change. And the people who think it's a scam or a hoax are the people who are buying the propaganda from the oil companies. 
who are telling us, oh, no, 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 it's not us, it's not us, because I'm not going to lose all this money. Right. I got too much at risk. I got too much at risk here. And I have the money, I have the resources to affect the media outlets. I have the resources. I can get get somebody on Fox News saying that this isn't real. That's a real fair take on that. Like, we covered all the bases on that. Right, and that's the thing. (laughs) That's why I don't know what to believe, because – Here's here's how I come to the conclusion of any opinion. I, I try to s- step my emotions out of it. I try to take a step back and I say, okay, they're, they're doing it for a reason. Okay? Mm-hmm. There's a reason why not everybody agrees, the, and it's usually because of personal gain. Like, who has the most to lose and who has the most to gain? There is a route that climate change could go through that the people in power could gain a lot of control and a lot of um, um, leverage over the people through climate change. There is a route that oil companies could lose billions, and they could be pushing propaganda to the American people saying that it's not real. Mm -hmm. To have too strong of opinion either way to me here is a folly. Yeah, I think it needs to be somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I think you need to be kind of like, okay, maybe. That being said, there's nothing me and you can do about it because the United States, if you look at plastic in the oceans and emissions, we're not in the top ten. That's right. Okay, we're, we're, we're pretty far down on that list. It, like you said, it's China, it's India, it's mm-hmm. these developing countries in the east, mostly. It's not European, western countries. We have outsourced that poverty to them. That's a fact. That's what we did, that's, and that's what we did in the 1860s, too. That's something nobody wants to talk about. We like to make ourselves feel great because we ended slavery. Let me tell you something, buddy. You didn't end shit. No, you just moved it somewhere. You moved it. <laughs> you moved it so you didn't have to see it. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's all we did. Because these iPhones that we like so much, practically built by a slave. Dude. They, got, they got suicide from nets. The, yeah, from the br- ground up. Not just the people building the iPhone with the suicide nets in China. What about the cobalt? That's right. And the cobalt mines that come from Africa. That's right. What about what about the diamond on your old lady's hand? You say it's not a blood diamond. Oh, it's not supposed to be a blood diamond, but... Probably is. It probably is. <laughs> yeah. It probably is. And do you care? Let's be real honest. No, Let's you... be real honest with ourselves. No, you don't care. Do you really care? No. You don't give a shit. As long as you don't have to see it, you don't have to feel bad about it. That's right. That's all it is. All we it's have is sight, paid morality. Mm-hmm. We have paid morality. We, have, we live in a world of such a... And I don't know what the move is. I'm not going to quit using my phone. I don't know how to make sneakers. Yeah. I need sneakers. I don't want to pay $400 for a pair of sneakers because if we built sneakers in the U.S., they'd all be $400 or I mean, higher. Think about how cheap a toaster is. I right. Mean, like we, we, we could understand how it works and all the components that you would need, but yeah. I, I doubt either one of us could make a toaster. No one on the planet could make a toaster. Not on their own. Not, not from the ground up. Nobody on, nobody on the planet could make an iPhone either. No. There's not a single person on the planet that can make an iPhone, can get the, get the oil, the ore, plastic, the metals, create all the pieces and put it together. There's not a single person in the world right. that can make a computer mouse. Okay, Globalization has absolutely brought us where we are today. But the other thing you have to remember is if you're living in a, in a first world developed country, you are outsourcing slavery and poverty somewhere else for you to have, not have to see it in your country. There's always going to be somebody at the bottom. There's mm-hmm. always going to be somebody that's getting shit on. It's, it's, it's just the way it is, and it's, there's no way around it. The only way that you can get around it, if we really truly – this is what, what you have to understand, okay? When we talk about how grateful we are to be in America, it's an absolute fact because the poorest people in America 
Like, if you're making $20,000 a year, you are well below the poverty line in most places in America. You are in the top 1% earners on the planet Earth. That's right. Mm-hmm. You're in the top 1%. I don't know exactly what the statistics are here. may not be the top 1%, but it's close. You're in the top five for sure. Making $20,000 yeah. a year. If you make $100,000 a year, you're in the top 0.0001% of the planet Earth. If you have a car to drive, you're a 1% earner. If yeah. you're eating three meals a day, our poor people in America are fat. Yeah, our homeless are fat. Our homeless have some of them are fat, less common. But our poor people that are living in, in the projects, obesity is rampant. Mm-hmm. Okay, like you're a one percent earner. You're super well off compared to a lot of places that. I mean, there's places in Africa where people are having to get up at four o'clock in the morning, walk ten miles to get five gallons of water so their family can have water to drink that day and carry the water back on their head, and that's their life. It's just trying to find. Dr- Drinking water. They're not worried about health care. They're worried about drinking water. That's it. Yep. Okay? So if you were to really make things equal. And, and, and with that same thing, because they have to worry about today and today's bread, they don't have time to think about gender or climate or any right. of that. Exactly. And, exactly. That's, and that's really the plot of man when it comes to these developed right. countries. Yeah. It's also you got too much time. Why we're depressed. It's the reason why we have anxiety. Mm-hmm. It's the reason why we have mental illness. It's because we're too well we're off. Too well off. We're, we have too. We live in too much abundance. Mm-hmm. We're not having a struggle, and that's the reason why you have a lot of people like David Goggins and Joe Rogan and these masculine influencers who say things like, "Go do something that sucks. Spend part of your day." And I 100% agree with this. Go to the gym and make part, the first part of your day suck every day. Go get an ice bath. Go take an ice bath. Go for a run. Go work out because. If your life, if you don't have a real pain in your life anywhere, for one thing, that's how your body deals with cortisol. Your body deals with cortisol through fight or flight. Cortisol is a fight, stress is a fight or flight response. Mm-hmm. There's only one way your body can deal with it, and that's through cardiovascular exercise. You need to go lift weights. You need to go, which lifting weights not cardio, but you need to go lift. You need to go run. You need to go to jujitsu. You need to go do something to deal with that cortisol. Otherwise, the cortisol is going to continue to build up, and the stress is going to eventually overtake you. Um, this only is a problem in worlds where you spend your a lot of your day sitting down. You spend a lot of your day because your body's like, oh my god, we have these things that are threatening us, but they're not threatening you. It's paperwork. It's not going to do shit if you don't do it. So you don't really want to do it. You look, see it as a threat. So you put it off. You procrastinate it. Mm-hmm. But then it builds this anxiety in you to where you you, you oh my, you, it's like a bear chasing you, but it's not actually chasing you. So it's not really. You don't know what to do. You don't know if you should you run, should you do the paperwork. Well, I don't want to do the paperwork because I view it as a threat, you know. And so your brain is just very confused because this is not the world we were meant to be in. And so the other thing is though is you need to feel actual pain in, in your day. You need to you need to struggle. You need to have a struggle if you're going to have what it takes. I you go and listen to any. Like, a lot of your really well-off, super rich people, what is their number one concerns? Health and, like, longevity. Like, mm-hmm. they, they're all about working out and eating healthy. Because now they've got the money, and it's like, okay, well, what, what's next? Mm-hmm. Okay, Secured like, that bag. Like, I've got that, this. So then the day, the only thing that really matters is health. Mm-hmm. The only thing that really matters is longevity and health and, like, how much time do you have here and dealing with that stress. The money doesn't actually matter. The money is a means to an end. That's all it is. But we get into the, we get it in our heads, man. That um, abundance is always the answer. 
And a lot of times the abundance is really our problem. It's the curse, man. It's the curse. It's, it's actually, I have a theory on this. Have, I, have we talked about this before on mine? Did we talk about this on my podcast? Uh, my theory on this? I think you, I wasn't on that episode. Okay. But I've heard so, you talk about it. So I have the theory that the curse given to us in Genesis by God when Eve ate the fruit of knowledge of good and evil, and I think it opened our eyes to the actual world. And if you look historically, that's, you're looking at around, I believe the Younger Dryas event was probably the Noah's Ark event. I do actually believe in prehistoric civilizations. Um, and I believe that the Tale of Gilgamesh was the Younger Dryas event, which happened about 12,000 years ago. Um, but historically, I believe that the curse given to Adam and Eve, and I, I believe that it's a story. I don't actually, I don't know that I believe my parents would kill me if they heard me say this. I don't know that I believe that the Garden of Eden is actually something that really happened. I think that it's a story outlining the, the, the fall of man into the fact that when we realized, because what was the curse, okay? It was us moving away from being animals. It was us moving away from, um, you know, now women are going to be in pain during childbirth. You know, other animals are not in as much pain as we are in childbirth. Um, men now have to work by the sweat of their brow. I don't believe that we were necessarily in a garden where everything was right there for us. I believe that we were hunters and we were gatherers and we 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 ate what the earth gave us. Mm-hmm. And then it was we all pro- it was all provided. It was all provided, but it wasn't any more provided. I don't think it was. I don't believe it was necessarily a perfect garden. I believe that it was just our perfect garden. I believe that it was. It was. And if you research, you know, evolutionary biology and and, and humanity, that's what, what what it was. We we gathered the berries and the thing women gathered the berries and the fruits that the earth gave us and men went out and hunted and and according you know according to the bible it did say that the first animal was killed and i don't i don't know the lamb to make clothes yeah um and but the one of the things was you're gonna have to work by the sweat of your brow and it was when we learned to have abundance to, to agriculture when we moved into agriculture and we started realizing that oh well we don't have to just barely get by if we take these seeds and plant them or we take these animals and domesticate them and we we can have plenty of food for everybody then we can start building big structures because now there's enough food to go around now we can have more than we need and now not everybody has to hunt or gather now people can do other jobs like be doctors now people can have do jobs like uh be a judge or be a priest or Mm -hmm. us us you know pursue this next level of of existence well that's uh i mean look at this look at countries that have good art or have art like our country right then look at countries that don't really have art right too busy for it yeah yeah because they're, they're trying to survive but then look in the eyes of some of these people in africa and they're happy yeah, they're Some happy. of these people in these third world countries that are struggling to Man, survive. I used to go I used to go down to Guatemala once a year. Yeah, they're happy. Yeah. Like they're not they're not more miserable than us. No. We're not happier than them. We're on depression medicine. So like it's like the further and more advanced that we get, we've gotten to this point that advancement is our curse. But the thing is, as a man, especially somebody like me, advancement is my curse because I will be unhappy if I stop chasing it. If I'm not moving forward, I get depressed. Yeah. But then if I am moving forward, I'm creating an environment which causes more depression, yeah, and more anxiety and more depravity. It's a it's <laughs> a it's a never ending cycle of depression and anxiety and depravity of 
of this abundance that men are chasing and want to be part of, and then at the same time is making us miserable. And if it continues, if we can't evolve to, because people are more miserable now than they've ever been. You can talk about male mental health all you want to. The problem is not men don't talk about their feelings. Less men were killing themselves when men were not talking about their feelings. Okay, that's a fact. Men that fought in World War II were less likely to kill themselves than men that fought in Iraq. That's a fact. That's a fact. Okay, so either you're full of shit or people are weaker. Or both. Okay, because it's not that we're not talking about shit. That's the reason why I think male mental health, I think there are people, there's been times I've needed to talk to somebody for sure. Because as we talked about yesterday, you know, I talked about my battle with depression a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also had to come to terms with the fact that really why I'm depressed is because I'm bored. And I don't have enough things challenging me. I don't have enough things making my life miserable. Because when I'm struggling, I'm a lot more happy for whatever reason. I can't explain that. But um, the times I've been the most unhappy are the times that I had the most. And, and I'm, But I also know the times that I'm not chasing more, I also get depressed. So I've come up with this super like detailed routine of exactly how to keep my brain from going haywire. And I have to follow it every single day. And that, I think, is the curse. It's the curse of wanting more and more being a curse. Mm-hmm. And if we continue, if humans evolve through uh, natural selection the way that Darwin thinks that they did and not through evolution of, um, like, I can change, which actually is more what I believe. Um, but if natural selection is how humans evolve, human, humanity will collapse definitely within the next thousand years. We don't have another thousand years. Not at the rate we're going. We probably don't have another 500 uh, humanity. I'm not saying that we'll completely fall. Well, I mean, fall. to talk about, like, uh, like some of the, whether you believe Atlantis is real or not or some of these other— I believe Atlantis is real. I do, too. And I believe, like, they were probably very technologically advanced. Yeah, I think it was and pretty it, younger Dryas. And it and it led to their demise. Yeah, if you look at— demise. Well, actually, I disagree with that um, on the Atlantis um, talk. And the reason I disagree with that is because of the time frame. So the time frame that— was it uh, was it Plato? Who was it that, that went and talked? And they said it was 9,000 years ago that Atlantis existed. He was a Greek philosopher. And then he went to Egypt, and they were talking about Atlantis. It was 9,000 years ago. That would have been about 13,000 years ago for us, which would have been around the time of the Younger Dryas. I think it was Plato. And, I think it was. Um, if we look at what happened at that time, the, we were in, the, we were in the, the height of or in the end of the Ice Age. And so we had— um, ice caps on North America and through a lot of the world a mile high. And then for whatever reason, for some reason that we cannot explain, and it could have been some some level of, of advancement on our end, I don't know, but for whatever reason that we cannot explain, those ice caps melted in an instant and flooded uh, a large portion of the world. Uh, those ice caps, we believe that several comets hit or asteroids or something, but we had hundreds of millions of gallons of water suddenly dumped in an instant. It's a really interesting uh, research. You should. There's a Netflix documentary about it, um, Ancient Civilization. I'll go down that rabbit hole, dude. I love some documentaries. Yeah, they, uh, Joe Rogan's had uh, several guests on his podcast talk about it. Yeah. Um, and it's super, super interesting. And that's personally what I think happened. I don't know that I think that it was something. I don't know that it were, they were technologically advanced enough to make themselves melt down. I think we'll just melt down, though. I think that I think that is. I think we're going to go crazy. I think that eventually we're going to get to this point. Especially as I mean, look at what the world has done in the last hundred and fifty years. 
Look at how different it is and how non-equipped we are to handle it. I mean, there's a thing called genetic lag. And genetic, genetic lag is what happens when evolution happens faster than humanity can adjust to it. We have genetic lag from agriculture. We have not adjusted to agriculture yet, which happened 15,000 years ago, 10 to 15,000 years ago when we moved to agriculture. Hmm. The genetic lag in humans is not caught up to agriculture yet. We've since then had an industrial revolution. We've had several revolutions. Mm-hmm. We've had a renaissance. We've had an industrial but most importantly, an industrial revolution and a tech revolution that has changed the face of our earth so drastically in the last 150 years. We have not had time. We, it, it takes us more than 10,000 to 15,000 years to catch up to agriculture. We still aren't happy with agriculture. We were getting there. We're, because, because the thing is, and we're, one of the reasons why we haven't caught up to it is agriculture created abundance. And so people who don't do well in agricultural societies still survived. Mm-hmm. They were able to do other things. That's the problem we're having now. The people like me, I don't do well in this society. I am a fucking chief, man. I'm supposed to be out on a Playing somewhere with 120 people, setting up camp, hunting freaking buffalo and and uh, woolly mammoths. That's how I was meant to live. I would. That's the life that I. Oh my god! I, I go to sleep and I think about it. I'm like, man, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to be out there with a fucking spear and 20 or 40 of my best homeboys killing shit and getting drunk every night and having babies. Like, that's, that's the world that I was meant for. Yeah. I'm a strong warrior, hunter-type motherfucker that likes to lead and fight. And, like, I'm not meant to be in a world where I go sit in a cubicle and I type with a freaking keyboard looking at a screen for eight hours a day. Fuck that. I don't want to do that. <laughs> okay? Like, that sounds terrible. I'm just not going to be part of that. Yeah. That's not my thing. Right? So... Instead, I've tried to set up my life. Well, I'm going to open a gym. I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to do MMA. I'm going to r- grapple, whatever. But guess what? In order to do this at a level where my family can have abundance, I spend eight hours a day locked in my office, staring at a screen. So, okay, what can I do? I'm going to start a YouTube channel. That way, I can go hang out with my boys, and I can go mud ride, and I can do these fun things yeah. that are like I can go well, hunting. Lead and right I can into it, man. Because I was about to ask you. Tell us about the Man Up podcast. What is it? I was there for basically the inception, early episodes. Yeah. And then- so. So this this leads into it perfectly because um, I think that we live in an era where men are afraid to be men. I think we live in an era where um, we're so feminized by school. We're so feminized by the way that we're brought up. I think we're so feminized by um, the world that you have guys like me that I I feel like a lion in a cage. I just and 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 so. When it first started, it was like, well, I just want to talk about that. I just want to talk about, man, I feel like a lion in a cage. It's not that I necessarily know anything that anybody else doesn't know. I just don't – this isn't This isn't it for me. This isn't right. Like, this isn't what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Man Up podcast sort of started just me and my buddies, and it was like, okay, well, what, the, what message do I want to get out? But on top of that, what do I want my life to be? And I think this is a question everybody needs to ask themselves because I'm only going to get to do this thing one time, man. We've had this conversation before. Mm-hmm. We're only going to go around this this rock, this big flying flaming ball in the sky on this rock, so many times, eighty times, maybe ninety times. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Hundred times would be the absolute most. Like you're you're not going to go around this rock on this rock. We are this. We're we only have a very limited amount of time, and I don't know what happens after this. I believe that there's a heaven. I believe there's an afterlife. I believe there's a God. Mm-hmm. But then the day I don't really know. All I know is I've got. 
so many times around this big ball. Yeah, you of fire. got one. You got one shot at this thing coming. Yeah, life. and that's it. That's all I'm going to get. And I want to spend it doing exactly what I believe in and exactly what I want to do. I don't want to spend it on somebody else's vision. I don't want to spend it working a job doing something for somebody else that they believe in, like so many men do. So many men and women, but you live your life as a cog in a machine, just churning away for the man. Just churning away to make, I mean, how many people, you go watch The Office and you see these people, they're in their, they're working at a paper supply company so that they can get a fucking check at the end of the week so that they can actually go live their lives. They spend the best hours of their day, the best waking hours of their day doing things that, this is most people, doing things they absolutely fucking hate mm-hmm. so that they can get a weekend, they can go do what they want to do on the weekend or so that they can, you know, take a trip at some point. That's bullshit. That's stupid. That's a stupid way to live. Why hate 80% of your life, 90% of your life, so you can enjoy 10? That's the point. <laughs> it's a self-sacrificial bullshit view. It's actually a very beta or even um, uh, gamma view of the world. Like, it's a very non-alpha view. Like, alphas don't view the world this way. Alphas would not do that. Um, it's a very beta view where I'm going to be very self, self-sacrificing. And here's the other thing about that worldview. Women do not respect it. No, they don't. Women do not respect that guy. If you want a woman to not respect you, she may love you for doing this, but she won't respect you, and she's not going to feel desire for you. She's not going to be in love with you. She'll stay with you, maybe, maybe. But what you're seeing now is women have the option to leave men. What happens is women get to about 27 years old, and then they settle for that guy, the guy who will sacrifice for her and the kids and go work for the man and bring home a good paycheck and and kill himself and break his back all day or go work in an office doing some bullshit that he hates so that he can to be an accountant or whatever so he can supply a lifestyle for these three four five two one little brats and his one two point five kids and his wife or whatever the marriage goes cold the desire leaves the kids move out of the house. The woman realizes that she doesn't feel desire for this man anymore. She leaves him for somebody she does feel desire for, and he kills himself. Because if you look at the statistics of who kills himself the most, it's middle-aged white men recently have went through a divorce. Mm -hmm. Because their purpose for existence is gone now. Their wife is gone. The kids are grown. Well, what's my purpose? I don't have one. Let me kill myself. There's no reason to be here. And women don't find that desirable. They don't find that attractive. Uh, They find it attractive but not desirable, actually. Because you, you may be like, oh, well, that'd be good if I found a guy that would just go to work and supply, provide for me or whatever. But she ain't getting wet for you, homie. I'm right. sorry. She's not. She's getting wet for somebody else. Okay? And then the man's miserable. The woman's miserable. The kids grow up and watch this. And they're like, and then, you know, you grow up with kids like me, and I'm like, fuck that. Uh, you know, which my, my dad was very, my dad was more alpha. My dad was more like, I'm going to do what I want to do. Like, I'm not yeah. going to, I'm not buying into somebody else's dream. But um, I just like looked at that world. I'm like, I, I, and I knew the research too. So like, in, when you look at like a lot of your Andrew Tates and your people like that, that what they're talking, that's a lot of what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, that I don't think that they articulate it well. Um, well, I think they're spicy on purpose too. They are absolutely. He is for sure. A lot of what he says is, is good. It, yeah, I agree it's, with a lot of what he says. It's, it's just some he of the, does say it in the a way lot that of ways he, the way that, he puts it. Probably yeah. probably could have been a little bit better, but yeah. But nobody would have heard him if you just put him that. That's a point. I mean, you look at the fact that how many people listen to him versus how many people listen to me. Yeah. 
nobody gives a shit about me. Like I've got, you know, I've got less than a hundred thousand followers that listen to my show and watch my channel. And he has millions That's right. on a single episode, you know? So, I mean, we're, we're in totally different leagues. Uh, because he says things in that way, but that's that was sort of the that was sort of my thought process. Well, what life do I want? Well, I want a I want a life of absolute abundance. I want to be able to go anywhere that I want to go, do anything I want to do, but I want to do it on my terms. I want to do it doing the things that I love. I want to spend time with my friends, the people that I love, the people that I I want to be with my tribe. I want to create a tribe. That's what it really came down to for me. And when I started my gym, that was the mission: was I'm going to create a tribe. Mm-hmm. And I've done that, but the thing about a gym is there's a lot of sacrificing in that tribe. So, like, people have to pay to be part of the tribe. So when the people you really like have to leave or for their jobs or whatever, you can't get mad or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't stop them. You can't offer them something better. They're just paying to be there. They're just part of the tribe. Um, it doesn't generate enough revenue for me to – for me to hire and keep the people that I want, or the amount of people that I want in my tribe around, like the people that I want to be around, are people that are also trying to kill it and trying to be have abundance, and you know they're not, maybe not trying to live on just a couple hundred bucks a week or whatever, um, or which was what the gym allows me to pay. Which Mo makes the same amount of money as I do. Actually, last month he made more because um, of commission, but first of the year. But you know we make the same amount of money. But there's a lot of people that they're not going to make the sacrifice that I'm going to make to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I started the podcast and the YouTube channel, I was like, okay, this is a way that I could create a level of income, and then it I could build the tribe, and then the tribe would create the content. Like if I have me and Tyler and Wesley and my friends, and we're all and like our job is to create content. That's really your tribe, and if we can make a hundred thousand dollars a year all doing that, ain't that the sweet spot? That's the sweet. That's the ticket, right? Yeah. And I and unlike a lot of people who would look at that and be like, oh, it's a pipe dream, bro. Like, you're never going to pull that off. Well, you're at over 60K subscribers on YouTube right. at this point. And I'm just not, I don't, I'm going to keep fucking trying. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I just, yeah. like, you look at that. I mean, just just yesterday, thing. like, uh, with the live show that we did, man, it's like, man, the chat's growing. Yeah. And this is a great chat. And, like, y'all are reactive to those guys. You don't ignore what they got going. Yeah. And then it won't be long and you'll have super chats unlocked. Yeah. So oh, we're unlocked now. So people I just can, haven't set it up yet. Yeah, so. There you I can, go. I can do super super chats now. Yeah, um, I'm I'm past because uh, we're fully monetized, and um, which was which was insane. Um, how quickly and slowly that happened because it all happened. It seems once. like once once you hit like I know since, since I hit 100 subscribers on YouTube, like everything like I'm at 102 subscribers, so that mark hadn't changed. But like uh, people interacting with my videos and leaving comments and different yeah. things, that changed a lot. Yeah. For us, it all happened at once because we. It took me about a year to get a hundred, and then it took me another year, and we were at like five hundred, mm-hmm. and we were coming up onto our second year, and we went from five hundred to fifty-five thousand in two months. Mm-hmm. It was just boom, and we have we've we've hit a plateau now, um, probably because our content did, wasn't good enough. I think we got to improve the content and then reattack, and I think that's just what it is. I think you've got to like kind of examine what you're doing. And I think a lot of people aren't able to do that. And I'm not always able to do that where you can back up and say, okay, is the content good enough? And if I'm being honest with myself, I don't have a million subscriber content. Really. There's people that do have a million subscribers that don't have as content as good as me. But like, if I'm being real, do I believe that I'm, and, and it could just be a belief thing. Do I believe that I'm doing 
five million subscriber, two million subscriber, one million subscriber. Because that's really that's really the d- number of subscribers on YouTube with the type of content that I'm doing that's going to lead to enough income that now I'm able to do the things that I'm talking about mm-hmm. doing and growing the way that I'm talking about I'm wanting to grow. Um, and the answer right now is no. But it's also hard for me to have the time because I can't keep help at the gym. So I'm like trying to manage. I'm running three businesses, and it's just me and one other guy, really. And I mean, I have a 12,000. We're in this 12,000 square foot facility right now that me and one other person are are running. Me and Mo are running, and we're also running the YouTube channel and and the you know the podcast. We've got editors that help out, you know, Mark and Keith, and we've got you know some are my co-hosts, but they just all they're doing is just coming and doing yeah, the podcast. Yeah, they're providing the, yeah, con- the con- conversation. They're, yeah, they're just coming in for conversation. They're not actually doing any of the work, and so um, the editors are helping, and you know, it's just the workload. And one of the big issues that we have run into is I need either more money or more people because, um, or both, or I need more money to get more people. I need to generate more money because, and so I've had to dive back into the gym because. Um, as I do hire people, they're coming in and they're like, all I can afford to pay them is like ten, twelve dollars an hour. And I'm talking about hiring that paying this next person fifteen dollars an hour, which is more than me or Mo either one make um per hour. And probably, I don't know, we're not paid by hour, we're both salary, but um that would be more than we make per hour for sure. And because we work a lot of hours. But the thing about it is though we can't afford to pay when people come in, they're working for ten dollars an hour, I'm like, man, the workload here is just I can do way easier work somewhere else for a bigger company that mm-hmm. maybe doesn't have the vision that you have, but I can go make fifteen dollars an hour doing basically nothing. Like fifteen dollars an hour, you can do that, make that in fast food a lot of places now. Yes, yeah. But then this is something people have got to understand. And I'm going to get on politics a little bit here. All right, y'all pushing this fifteen dollar an hour minimum wage. You're not crippling the corporations. You're crippling me. Yeah, small businesses. You're hurting me. Yeah. You're making it so I can't fill the roles that I need to fill. Walmart can afford to pay their people fifteen dollars right, an hour. That's right. Mom and pop business. McDonald's no. can. Yeah. I can't. Walmart can. My kids are going to do without when I pay somebody fifteen dollars an hour. If I pay everybody in my company fifteen dollars an hour, I'm going to have to fire one person first off. I'm going to have to go down. It'll probably just be me and Mo. And if I pay and Mo that, my kids are going to do without. I'm going to have to do without. I'm probably going to have to go get a job working for a corporation because I can't afford it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Y'all are pushing for this, these things, and what y'all don't understand, what you're doing is creating the caste system and putting us at the bottom and the corporations at the top. Mm-hmm. That's what mi- requ- high minimum wages do. They create ca- That's what socialism does. It creates caste systems. It makes it harder for people like me to make my vision a reality and easier for people like McDonald's and Walmart. Yeah, they're having to pay more to their employees, but they're stomping out all the little guys in the process forcing you to go to them mm-hmm. for whatever you want. Yep. Um, and that's what, what has happened. That's what's happened. Well, that's the space that we're in right now, just taking it back to content, making YouTube videos or putting out a podcast. We're in a pocket right now. Well, I don't, I don't think there's a better time to be doing it. I don't either. Because you have some podcasts, uh, they're a key demo, like from uh, 25 to 55-year-old uh you know, 60% female or 60% male, 40% female, they're reaching more people prime time hours of the evening than Fox or CNN. Yeah. And you're going to have your daily wires. You're going to have the young turds. You're going to have Tim cast IRL who are providing the news. And then you're going to have Joe Rogan and shows like yours that are like pro masculine and giving values and just being Frank, yeah. you know? And so I, I, I think the, uh, 
the macho man, uh, the cream is going to rise to the top, and then it's going to the ladder is going to be pulled up. Yeah, that's what always happens. Yep. So it happens in every civilization eventually. Yep. It's happened in Europe. It's happened in um, – it definitely happens in your third world countries. Um, but as societies progress, that's what happens. The cream rises to the top, and then the ladder's pulled up. And um, innovation creates opportunity. Yeah. So as, as – It'll just look different. Yeah. And, and that, when you look at, like, the new billionaires, nobody's becoming – you don't have a lot of new billionaires in oil now. You don't have new billionaires in railroad. Yeah, they're in tech. They're in tech. They're creating Tesla. They're in social media. They're in – so, like, uh, innovation creates opportunity. So when you do have these new industries pop up, that will create new billionaires. That will mm-hmm. be the cream rising to the top. But then once those things are settled, and I think that that's what we're in right now in media. I think people have learned that there's this new – corporations have definitely learned. I mean, podcast beats the hell out of uh, Celestial Radio now. Yeah. Um, I don't know many people who actually listen to the radio anymore. I don't. I listen to Pandora, a Pandora Premium, and I listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, what you're going to see is, well, I forgot what I was saying. Uh, talking about media. Yeah. What you're, what, so what we're what we've learned is, is corporations have learned about this new real estate, the real estate of human attention, and that's what we're that's what we're all competing for right now is we're competing for the real estate of human attention. Whereas before it was all money, and it was uh, it was like property. And then it was goods. And then it was, and it kind of went down the line. And what we've learned is this new era of who is the best at garnering attention. Look at your billionaires who have become billionaires because they've monopolized attention. The Kardashians. That's all they did. Okay. Any movie star. And now she's in real estate. Because now she has the resources that mm-hmm. she got from the attention. And now she can start getting into the real estate. She can start building corporations. Mm-hmm. She can start competing for things like goods, mm-hmm. whatever. But in the beginning, it's all attention. Actors, podcasters, anybody that's in media. So we, we've been competing for human attention for a long time, but now we're in this new wave of it where anybody can compete for it. You can compete for it. Yeah. Before it was just Paramount Pictures. Oh, it's like it's like you NBC. said yesterday. It's like I've got a camera and a microphone. I can start a podcast. I can I can do this. Yeah. If I bring enough value to enough people, they're going to want to listen to me, and then people will pay for ad slots because I have so many people listening to me. Mm-hmm. That's basically all it is. Yeah. Is eventually some someone is willing to pay for me to do this. I mean, I mean because I have enough attention. Yeah. I mean, that's where we're both are. Yeah. Like, uh, we're both in this early stage of yeah. getting paid. But yeah, know, but we're monetized. And we're monetized, right? And that, that's what I mean. We're in this early stage of getting and paid. And there's two and a half million podcasts out there. Dude, ninety five percent of them ain't even listenable. You know, so we got. That's, yeah, we, we're on the. We are. It is. It is incredible to look at our numbers and know that, like, we are, like. And while I'm very unhappy with my numbers, right? Um, we're we're in the top five percent. Yeah, like we're in the top. I would probably venture maybe top two. Maybe, but the people who are in the top one are so far. They're, ahead all, of they're us. already famous, yeah. though. You know. Yeah. Well, not all of them. I mean, you well, got people that got that became well known through podcasts. last podcast on the left. Yeah, that's yeah. that's got, how they got known. You've got a lot of people that are that are that have become. I mean, you look at like, or through some sort of meet, like the Nelt Boys, um, uh, No Jumper. Um, yeah. I mean, these are multi-million dollar media empires that were built from people who. Yeah, they might have had some, but but I did too. I had some level of media attention before I got into it through fighting and through, you know, whatever. Mostly through fighting and just my own social media, though, through running a business. Um, and that's sort of how this all got started for me was I realized, like, oh, I'm really good at this. Like, I'm, 
Like I was just doing media for my business. I was just doing yeah. videos and, and I'm like, oh, I'm good. like, this is like, I won marketer. I won, I won combat business marketer of the year in 2018. And um, that was like, oh damn. Like, and it was all because of just how good I was at videos. Mm -hmm. It was just, I was good at creating videos and making funny ads and stuff. And I was just funny. Like it wasn't that I was like, I knew Facebook algorithms. It wasn't that I knew like how the technical part of getting into Facebook ads. I mean, I knew how to do that stuff a little bit, but what met, separated me from everybody else to win that award was um, I was good on video. I was just good on video. I was good. To, I was good. I was good at talking. Yeah, you know. And so I won the Marketer of the Year award. And anyway, it's been it's it's been a long journey since then to discover that okay, this is two years later than COVID, and then I decided um, to to go this direction, which has helped my business too. It's just taking, you know, taking time. Yeah. But we're in this, we're in this market of human attention where, you know, people are going to either, you're either going to take advantage of it or you're not. And it's just like the tech boom. You're either going to take advantage. Like I, I didn't take advantage of the tech boom. I'm not a techie guy. Yeah. Like, and I, I'll tell you this is like, uh, it's funny. Like when friends or just people I know, they ask like, how's your little podcast going? I said, well. How's your little teaching gig going? Yeah, your yeah. little podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's you like, little piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. It's like, dude, this you know what? People don't say that to me anymore. I mean, I haven't heard it in a while. Uh, uh. You know now, uh, now. You know what people tell me now? Remember us when you're big. <laughs> That's what people tell me now. Yeah, they used to say the same shit to me. But how's your little podcast going? How's your little man? I saw a teacher. This teacher never liked me. I ran under TJ Maxx about a year ago, and it man, this really stuck it to me. Uh, well, maybe two right, years but I ago. hate it when people talk like you, she looked at me. It's your she passion was, project. How's your little, how's your little gym doing? How's oh your little, fi how's your little fighting team doing? I'm like, you mean probably the largest MMA gym in North Mississippi? That gym? You mean the gym that's like probably generating as much money as the private school that I went to? How many champions have we produced? <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> are, are you talking about the gym that like I'm producing as more? I'm producing three to four times as much income as like. 90% of any other MMA gym anywhere? Like, you, you're you talking about that 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 little gym? That little thing? You're talking about the, that, like, hold on now, hold on. Like, But I didn't say that. I was like, it's going great. It's going good. Like, forget it. Yeah, that that's, that. but that kind of comment used to eat at me. And yeah. then I was like... You know, like, at that time, I was pretty sure I was making more money than her or her husband, either one, at what I was doing. Right. And I'm just like, honey, you realize I'm more successful than you, right? <laughs> you realize all that bullshit you told me in school about how like these the where I'm going is not mm -hmm. leading anywhere and whatever. Like you were wrong. Like you just need that's why she was saying it was because she she like it was one of those mm -hmm. moments because I had teachers I'd passed her so many the same thing. I had people pull me to the side and be like, bro, like this is not it. Like you've got all this potential. You need to be working on but the thing is, you need to be working on something that's gonna make you some real money. And I was like, the thing is, is I'm not going to work on those things. I'm not passionate about those things. I don't mm -hmm. give a fuck about those things. And I'm, we live in too much abundance for me. I have too much abundance around me to, like, relegate myself to do something I hate all the time. You know? And that's why a lot of people think that young kids are lazy. It's because, you know, we live in a world where gen, uh, millennials, we grew up in a world, and Gen X, too. But especially millennials. Millennials were the last of the the bicycle and uh, yeah, but, you know, like if you wanted to know what your friend was doing, you had to go. You know? Right. But here's the thing, you know, what separates Gen X and millennials to the they the generations before Gen X and millennials, they weren't riding their bicycles during the day on, and then summertime. They were at work. They were in the fields. That's the point. Okay. Yeah. We grew up soft. 
If you grew up riding your bicycle around the neighborhood, you grew up soft. If you grew up going needing to come home when the, head, when, the, when, the, when the street lights came on, you grew up soft. That's what I grew up in. Yeah. yeah. That's a soft way to grow up. I did too. I, but I went to work too. But like I grew yeah. up compared to my, my dad thought I was the softest piece of shit ever because I had to get up. I only got up at six o'clock in the morning and I didn't start really working every day <laughs> when I wasn't in school until I was like 10 years old. Dude, I turned 15 and uh, got that permit. You know, my, I was I was living with my grandparents at the time. My grandpa said, if you can, if you can work or if you can drive. You can work. Had a job at a farm. My daddy grew up, if you could walk, you could work. <laughs> my daddy went to work. My dad got up at 4 a.m. every day from the time he was four years old and worked every single day of his life. Damn. He got off the school bus. He got up at 4 a.m. He milked cows. He still had the first dollar he made and kind of thing? No. No, okay. I doubt it. I don't know. He he's he's He has rose. It sounds like that, you know, that, that work ethic. several you know. businesses. So he's lost. He's lost probably a few fortunes. Um, over the years, but he got up at 4 a.m. to milk cows. Then he'd get his he'd go to school. He'd get off the school bus at three o'clock, and he went right to work till sundown every day. And he did that every single day from the time he was a little feller, yeah, until he was grown. And then he did, and then he worked like that when I was a kid too. He got up, he got, he woke us up when he got up to go to work in the morning. Like I mean, I got up earlier than I make my kids get up now. And he thought because he got me up at six, he thought I was spoiled. <laughs> You know, yeah. like, oh, this kid's spoiled, you know. If you grew up in a world like – like, and so if you grew up in that world where you were riding your bicycle around, seeing what your friends were doing and playing video games and going to Blockbuster, you grew up in a soft world. You just didn't grow up in a soft world as they have now. But it was still a very soft oh, world. It was cozy now. Yeah, that's a cozy way to live. And so we look at that and it's like – and we can live pretty decently not doing things we hate all the time. You know what I mean? Like, we can go get a job working at bartending or whatever and working part-time, and we can get by and, and have a couple roommates. And it's like, well, until I find something, I'm, and a lot of people are waiting to find that thing they're passionate about, which I think it can be a mistake. I think sometimes you just got to pull the trigger and let the, hear the gun go off. But yeah. I'm one of these people. I am passionate about things. So I just chase the things I'm passionate about. Could I make more money in real estate? Oh, no doubt. If I sold insurance, would I be making more money right now? For sure. Because if I took the same passion and energy that I've taken into running this gym, and I don't mean to sound arrogant here, this is just an absolute fact. I'm the only person in this area that's done what I've done. Okay? I'm the only person in this area that has come in and built a, a facility like this in a town like this. I'm the only person in Columbus, Mississippi that's opened an MMA gym, a job boxing gym, karate gym, or whatever, and, and made the money that I made doing it, and made, created the jobs that I've created doing it, and had the facility that I have doing it. I'm the only one. Mm-hmm. If I took the same passion and energy that I've done doing this and I took that into insurance, if I took that into uh, real estate or whatever, I'd, I'd be the number one guy. I'd be the guy. I'd be doing multiple six figures. No, I have no question. We're over the hour and a half mark. Okay, let's run it. Let's run, let's run it. Uh, plugs for social media. I myself on the back there on the last little bit. I didn't mean it that way. but No. Know, no, I, mean, just, I, I think passion's important was all I was saying. Right on. Yeah. Uh, last question to walk it out is how can people find you on the socials and where can they find the Man Up Podcast? Man, I don't really give a damn about you finding me on social, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, I do have a Facebook account. That's the only thing I have. Um, but you can go find the Mississippi Superman Show. That's on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, um, Facebook. Um, you can also find the Man Up Podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We're pretty much everywhere. Um, go follow us in those places. Like I said, I mean, I have a Facebook account that I don't really use very much. 
all my so all my my social media is like I'm the one that's on the social media for the Mississippi Superman show, like me and several other people. But like that's how I get social. So if you want me to read something, you're better off sending it to me there. Mm-hmm. So go find me on the Mississippi Superman show or the Man Up Podcast. Mississippi Superman show on most all social media platforms. Man Up Podcast on all your pl- podcast platforms. There you go. And dude, I'm gonna have to get you back on because we're just, it's a good conversation. That's good, man. I I really enjoyed that. That was really right. really good. And we out. See you, brother. better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.